Welcome into Too Much Sports. I'm Trey Benson, and on this week's episode, we do a playoff recap and a playoff preview. Thanks for tuning in. Foul to give for Houston. Nine tenths left. A three wins the series. It's Lillard. He got the shot off. Lillard got it. And the Blazers win the series. All right, Jason, what's going on? Nothing much. Living off the high of a Seahawks win. How are you doing? Yeah, it's a pretty good one. Pretty good. Well, first, let's jump into the weekly rewind. So, Coos cap off a disappointing season with another loss to Air Force. Oregon beat Wisconsin, finishing 11-2. Herbert rushes in for three TDs. Puts in a nice performance to hopefully be drafted in the first round. Pretty much guarantee at this point with the NFL needing quarterbacks all the time. Yeah, a lot of ugly Northwest uh, football, to be totally honest with you, with the Seahawks win today and Oregon basically being beat the entire game, but Herbert running in three touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, did you get a chance to watch ugly. that game? Yeah, I did. Uh, it just seemed like Wisconsin was just the better team overall, but Oregon ran their way to a victory with three touchdowns from Herbert. He wasn't even throwing well, but I guess we'll get those tonight later. Yeah, I haven't watched much NCAA this year, but I did notice that the Ducks were ranked number four. I guess it kind of speaks to just how random the NCAA rankings are. Seems like they change out weekly. But maybe yeah. that's the reason I tuned into the tournament this year. Yeah, I don't know if the rankings are based off – I don't know how much basketball they play to make those rankings or is basically just off draft class because it's more even – uh, based off draft class than college football. Yeah, it's kind of like a bit of pedigree coming in. You always got Duke, Kentucky, like giving those respect, and they always have like a top ranked draft class coming in. Yeah, um, but just the heavy hitters. And cap it off, Minshew mania. His season comes to an end. Yeah, he took the reins from Nick Foles. He <laughs> he dazzled. He he caused the craze across the nation. He brought some uh, fame onto the WC Cougs. Anyways, he ends the season with three TDs. Makes yeah, a case for being the Jags starting a QB. <laughs> yeah, he's the rich man Baker's Mayfield at this poor one. But yeah, that's the, that's kind of like his direct comparison. Um, we still the case is still still out on uh, Baker Mayfield. I think he can bounce back with the right coaching. But it was yeah. not pretty this year, for sure. As far as irrational confidence goes for players, I don't think Baker is going to lose a whole lot of confidence going into the next season, especially with like the new coach and stuff like that. He seems like just a ball of confidence, even though like his press conferences, he looks like a bum. I think he'll bounce back too. I think the talent's there. Did you, did you hear about that game earlier in the season where he like shaved mid mid game, like he was changing out <laughs> his mustache, his facial hair, because he's like, oh, I, yeah. don't, I don't deserve the handlebar mustache. Right? That, it's that kind of <laughs> it's that kind of stuff that makes him like me wish he's like a good player. That superficial stuff. I hope he becomes like a decent to to good quarterback because he's just a fun player to like root for. Even though I don't really care about the Browns at all. Yeah. Well, they just had a lot of hype coming into the year. It was kind of satisfying mm-hmm. to see him just kind of fall down like that, but <laughs> <laughs> like an alcoholic father, he fell down. Like, I mean, a lot of that hype was coming off in fantasy, too. Like, I think a lot of the Browns, like, a, pe- a lot of people took that uh, Odell, Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb early. Yeah. Even, you know, Nick Chubb fought through Kevin K- uh, Kitchen's terrible play calling. I'd see games where he has 10 carries for 100 yards. 10 carries. Like, it doesn't make any sense when you look at the box score with Nick <laughs> Chubb. That talented. Like, yeah. all the top NFC teams have, like, a big run game. And, the, like, Seattle, uh, whether it's Seattle, 49ers, uh, 
Vikings today proved that and the Titans. And for some reason, they decided to put the entire team on Baker Mayfield's back with a shitty O-line. Like, I don't understand yeah. it at all. Yeah, it really does come down to that O-line. They were pretty, pretty weak this year. Might have had a few yeah. injuries. But anyways, want to jump into the topic of the week. All right, so topic of the week. Let's just go over the playoffs. Pretty exciting. First round of playoffs. A lot of upsets. A lot of uh, good storylines coming in. Um, just a yeah. great set of football games, actually. Like, I think every every game was one score. So every game came down to the wire. Yeah, all the Vegas lines were pretty close. All the games were really close. The closest game by Vegas standards was supposed to be the Seahawks Eagles game. And that was probably the least competitive one. But that's just due to injuries. Both teams are incredibly hurt. Uh, mm-hmm. Every star player except for Russell Wilson is essentially hurt. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what else much to say. There's a lot of crazy plays during every single game that cost like one or two plays that cost the, yeah. everything except for maybe the the, the, pa- the Patriots game. But yeah, yeah let's, just, cr- let's go into it game by game. So Texans beat the Bills. Uh, Watson had a spectacular over. Was it overtime? Overtime play or fourth quarter? Yeah, easily the play of the year. I don't understand. <laughs> I think the defender hit the other defender off of him and rattled Watson free to make that crazy catch. It, to hit like the he field re- goal. rebounded off the sacks. Like yeah, the, the two sacks canceled out, and he just yeah, came exactly. out of it. <laughs> it was pretty crazy to see in uh, real time. Yeah. Even the announcers, I think we had Booger, McFarlane, and Joe Tessitore. Oh, boy. Um, that's that's another that topic entirely. <laughs> so my game was on Muse. <laughs> <laughs> but they pretty exciting play there, and it it's a good storyline for the Bills to make it there. They had a pretty solid mm-hmm. team. I still think they're a little young. They do have a great defense, but yeah. it really comes down to Josh Allen. And I just yeah. don't know if he can make all the throws yet. He has all the talent, arm talent, and the rushing ability but he just couldn't make the throws down the stretch that they needed from him to close out the game he looked really shaky he looked like okay at times but he had that weird like he would just do weird things during that game where he had that weird lateral back to his tight end i think and the tight end was not expecting it whatsoever he was like (laughs) midway getting tackled and somehow it went out of bounds but that could have been a crazy turnover that could have shifted the game entirely uh yeah like you said that defense is really good with uh that db white trying his best to cover deandre hopkins but deandre hopkins had some like very clutch catches all throughout Mm -hmm. that game um i mean i don't know who can cover that guy he's like i think is passing the torch on from crazy boy ab odell and julio i think hopkins has got to be number one and then one 1B would be uh, Michael Thomas, who actually, who had a pretty good game oh, as yeah. well. I don't know. I think you got to put Thomas ahead of Hopkins. Just looking at the catches. Sets, yeah. Like, especially as a fantasy owner of Hopkins, he was disappointing at times. <laughs> yeah. It's up and down, but uh, I think, obviously, Michael Thomas is, like, statistically better. I just think he's in a crazy good offense with people, like, competent people around him, where every other play Watson is running away from his life for his life and scrambling away just to make a crazy like pinpoint accurate throw to Hopkins for to convert on third down it's it's sad to see yeah. it's like it's basically what <laughs> Russell Wilson has been dealing with for it a really is, long time it is yeah but good storyline for the Bills in the season at 10-6 I think they'll actually be the better team in the AFC East 
in a few coming years. Uh, we got to mm-hmm. see how this Patriots thing shakes out. We don't know if Brady's leaving or Belichick is still going to be coaching. But. Yeah, all sides point that Brady. I don't exactly know where he's going to go. Everyone wants to say the Chargers. I guess that yeah. would be cool, but um, it's like, it's just like who the Pats are going <laughs> to rely on for a quarterback down this down the down the line, and Bill Belichick proving that he quote unquote made Brady is going to be a cool story. Yeah, so let's jump into that game. So the Titans pretty much just overpowered the pa- the Pats. Yeah, just on the run game through the legs of Derrick Henry. That's a big yeah. boy right here. <laughs> that dude uh, is a monster. <laughs> I don't know why. I I honestly thought he was just an oversized Trent Richardson, just how he ran. <laughs> he has, like, breakaway speed, sure. But, like, I didn't really – I had no idea he had this in him through, through his first two years. Uh, I had no idea. This year, obviously, he has the rushing title. Yeah, I had no Just to state how important he is, I, I haven't even looked at these numbers yet, but if I were to tell you that Ryan Tannehill was going to go 8 for 15, 72 yards, one touchdown, one pick, there's no way they beat the Pats, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, have, I guess so. Mariota in there for one run throw for four yards, so he's you get a little Oregon alumni, a little credit for the win, I guess. <laughs> that was a weird play. Early in the game, they brought Mariota to do some kind of weird run play for like one yard and like you could just know that he's going to do that uh you knew he wasn't going to throw the ball on he that did, play he, did. he threw it for four yards oh okay <laughs> that's it that's yeah. one play of the game i guess it's like we we still gotta know that Mariota's there and then you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe they're gonna try to trade him or something i don't I, th- I don't think you could trade Mariota. He's going to be brand, like forever a backup or even out of the league in the next two years. It's sad to see because like Jameis Winston, <laughs> his other alumni in that draft class is doing equally good and bad at the same time. I didn't know. I didn't know uh, Winston had like 5,000 passes. I knew he had 30 touchdowns. 5,000? Dude, he, he was piling it on this year. <laughs> Yeah, really was. A lot of garbage time. Yeah, so did you get to watch any... Did you watch all that game? Which game? Pretty, the Pats game? Yeah, the Pats game. Yeah, pretty much I thought... You did for that whole thing. Yeah, I, I tuned in for the entire time. I thought the Pats, like, offensively, didn't look that bad. I think they moved the ball, and when they, like, really wanted to, I think they got open guy i thought it was going to be a landslide because their performance against the 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 miami dolphins last week was just sad if you look at the highlights of that it was just sad the last few weeks for the patriots were just a sad series of events (laughs) yeah it's it just wasn't pretty out there i i just knew the patriots were in trouble when henry starts off the first quarter like 60 rushing yards on the first drive he had like rushing yards and he like yeah Every single play, they just hand the ball off, get five yards, get six uh-huh. yards, get ten yards. Mm-hmm. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I think he had, like, in the first drive, he had, like, three consecutive first downs on three consecutive rounds. It was pretty <laughs> crazy. I think he had, I don't know, I was just trying to count how many first downs he converted by himself, whether, like, on first or second down. It was pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. They went away from it a little bit in, like, the second quarter, the beginning of the second quarter, and late in the first first quarter. But they just picked it right back up in the second round, right over the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it was pretty cool to see. There's a lot of Patriots haters across the nation, and they pretty much celebrated once. <laughs> they yeah, lost. the end of the era. Yeah, it, it's a good way to start off the 2020 decade, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think the most interesting thing out of that, because 
honestly think Brady is just going to be kind of mediocre wherever he goes. It'll be kind of exciting. Like, he'll have a few good games wherever he goes because I think he's going to be smart where he ends up. Like, I don't see him going to Jacksonville to end his season, his his career, I mean. Um, but uh, McDaniels, the offensive coordinator for the Pats, I am actually kind of interested where he goes because that could be kind of really interesting, like a head coaching job. I know he turned down the Indianapolis job last year, but I don't see any reason for him to stay in New England at this point. When you guys are yeah. fishing, essentially fishing for a new QB, like you just got to pass it on to Bill Bell to peace out and take the money at this point. I think it's an ultimatum. It's McDaniels is going to go find a job offer somewhere, which is probably going to come from every team that needs a coach, basically. And he's going to be like, hey, mm-hmm. it's Bill Belichick leaving the, leaving the Pats or I'm gone. That's pretty much it. Yeah. I just wonder where he's going to go. I think everybody has a head coach that's that they either hired within the last two years. I know the turnover rate is pretty high, but I think he's a pretty smart offensive coordinator. Um, I don't know how well he is at personnel. I know like Bill Belichick did all the personnel stuff. Um, but yeah, I think he could really turn a team around. Uh, maybe. I don't know how his drafting stuff would be pretty fun like uh like kind of like shanahan moving on i know he doesn't have the reach of his shanahan but he could really turn around real quick like because i think he'd be good for the browns maybe uh, just like a hype pick but i think that'd be a good hire for the browns it definitely he could definitely get that offense on track especially if beckham and landry's day like they're supposed to be that good coming in this year but i mean I don't know what Kitchens was doing. <laughs> yeah, they have so much talent on that team. Maybe the O-line is not very good, and their defense is, like, kind of bottom to middle of the road. Um, but I just think they have so much, like, offensive talent. Like, you could trade Kareem Hunt or or Jarvis Landry for some O-linemen or some picks to, like, build off of. They have so much, like first round talent on both sides of the ball that you could just build through the draft almost and still be pretty good in the regular season. Um, yeah. It seems like Odell wants to leave, but if I have someone like McDaniels comes along and like really has an actual game plan on offense, I don't see how you can't stay if you're Odell. That seems like too good of an offer to pass up. Like where are you going to, you're, you're like the most paid receiver in the league and you're perpetually hurt. I don't know. It's just, it seems like, Odell always gets frustrated. He wasn't hurt this year, though. Like, he was healthy for the whole year. He just wasn't on the same page as uh, Baker Mayfield. Mayfield actually had a way better connection with Landry. So, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of just up in the air at this point. I think I think they'll bounce back. I mean, the Steelers, I don't know what they're going to do with their quarterback situation. Roethlisberger getting up there in age. But the Browns have a good path to be the second team in the that division now with the Ravens surging. So it's going to be tough because they're going to have to play the Ravens two times a year and the way they're playing, looking like the Ravens division for <laughs> the next 10 or so years. <laughs> yeah, they could be, they could be a, they have a potential to be one of the, the dangerous is da- dangerous divisions. Like the NFC West was like defending Super Bowl champions didn't even make the playoffs. You have two teams, one 12 wins and one 13. They yeah. could have the potential to do that. And the AFC is incredibly as much as i like like houston and the uh houston and texans and uh who else was in the afc like the top teams in the afc are obviously really good the the ravens and the chiefs but Mm -hmm. after that it gets so just wishy-washy with who's there like in the nfc it's a dogfight 
and you have to be not just good you have to be great to even get to the next level the saints lost today like we, we were done arguing whether the 49ers or the saints were better and the saints lost <laughs> to the vikings today and yeah it's just a dog fight you never know who's going to come out of the a- nfc it looks like it's going to be the 49ers because they get some rest and they're just a crazy run team with so many options because of shanahan and their defense is top notch as well it doesn't it doesn't look like they're slowing down at all. All right, so let's jump into our next game. So this morning we had a pretty, probably the best game of the weekend. The Vikings upset the Saints. Mm-hmm. Just any uh, impressions off the top? I was just <laughs> pretty blown away that they lose. The Saints lose on another controversial non-call. Like, yes. it's just kind of crazy. They put in this rule because of the Saints loss last year. And then, yeah. like, they're not saved by that rule in this game either. Yeah, like, it's pretty crazy. I was even more impressed. Like, that call was, like, pretty bad. And they introduced the new rule where they can review plays. And that's a scoring play. The same thing happened to the to the Seahawks in the last game. Like, that could have been called or at least reviewed that it was a pass mm-hmm. interference or a push-off. They have this rule. I think the referees just need to – if it's just – a decision shouldn't there be someone in the booth saying we got to review every scoring play is reviewed i think anyway. it i think it was reviewed and they just decided it wasn't pi i mean what push was off. your like personal impressions like he did push off like i kind of like it as a non-call it wasn't too egregious to the point where you have to call it he did kind of give him a stiff arm but i kind of like that as just like a football play and yeah it's I think tough it is probably a football play but i feel like They've called less, th- like more, less egregious things than that. Uh, it's just really inconsistent. Like there was a push off play in the Seahawks game that was just a really weak call. I think. Oh, uh, on Hollister. Yeah. Yeah. But so it's just really inconsistent. Like where they draw the line. Like it just guys has a really it just got has to have a real strict definition, um, in my opinion. And everyone won't get all butthurt about it. Like if that it, that that's got to be called a push off. I get it's a like they're hand fighting and stuff like that. But the ball was in the air at that point. It's hard. It's hard to say. But it's crazy how the Saints are just perpetually screwed in the playoffs. Uh, I saw the statistic yeah. put up by Adam Schefter today. Let me try to pull it up quick. But it's it's honestly kind of crazy if you're a a Saints fan. Um, I just, I don't know if you can call it the Saints being screwed because I I think that was the case last year. In this case, the Vikings were pretty much set up to win. I mean, they had the play, Kirk Cousins threw like 60-yard bomb in the first play or second play of overtime, and they're set up on the goal line. So, I mean, the Saints kind of put themselves in that situation, and they also pretty much didn't win the game in regulation. So, Mm -hmm. I don't think they were screwed like last year where they were driving that call happened. It was more, I mean, if you want to win the game, you can't put yourselves in those type of situations. Yeah. I think the Saints defense was definitely not as good as the Vikings defense. Uh, the turnovers by Breeze, that one fumble really screwed them, I believe. And I mean, it comes down to like that that uh, that punt, that that field goal that to to end the uh, court, the half. Lutz mm-hmm. mi- missed a 33 yard field goal. That's really bad. Drew, like I said, Drew Breeze's fumble was just awful. He tried to get up, get it off, and he should have just fell on the ball. I think it was like a second down or third down. Like that's those are some crucial plays that they missed on. And having Kirk Cousins have a great game in like prime time is pretty crazy to see. It's honestly more impressive than 
Dalvin Cook coming back and having a good game as well. Yeah, well, you know Dalvin Cook's going to give you a good game if he's healthy. Yeah. I, I didn't, like, watch this game too closely. I was kind of playing around on my laptop, but the one drive I did turn into was when Taysom Hill just carried the team for the whole drive. I thought that was pretty <laughs> funny. <laughs> like, it was, yeah. every play he was involved on, he had the 50-yard bomb. He had the rushing uh-huh. play on that drive, and then he blocked the way for Kamara's TD. It's mm-hmm. pretty interesting how they use that guy. I mean, I'm kind of a Taysom Hill hater. I'm just like, when you have a Hall of Fame quarterback, just let him play the game and don't yeah. bring in Hill for these gimmick plays. But it did kind of pay off for him on that drive. He's just a Swiss Army knife. And I, I agree with you. I don't like to believe the hype with him. It seems like every time he does anything, it's always such a big deal to these announcers. But mm-hmm. I haven't seen his end of the year stats. But Every time they use him, it's really in a pretty smart way. And there's he's like in between a tight end and I don't know, like a like a, a decently good wideout. And he just does everything in between. He's like too small to be a tight end and he's too fat he's too slow to be like a, <laughs> a, a knockdown like wide out. But he's just really consistent. He blocks decently fast. Like he's you can't sleep on his speed. Like the way they use him is really smart. And it, I think it goes to Sean Payton being like an offensive mastermind. Yeah. I just, I'm wondering what they're going to do next year. Uh, I think Drew Brees comes back, but eventually once Brees retires, are you going to go with Hill or is Bridgewater still around? Like, I'm just wondering if they actually believe in Hill as a backup quarterback or if he, the future or whatnot. I think they stick with, uh, with uh, Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think Taysom Hill's my quarterback. He's the third string behind Teddy Bridgewater. I think they just signed Teddy Bridgewater to a pretty good contract. I forget what the amount, but with all this poor, piss-poor quarterbacking this year, I could see Teddy Bridgewater being a starting quarterback for one of these really bad teams. Yeah, but you don't um, want to see the Taysom Hill game where you get to play a game. Like, I want to see what he could do if he's actually accurate, if he good decisions out there. He's got the rushing <laughs> ability of like these other guys in the class. He also has a big arm too. And uh-huh. I just think it'd be exciting to see him play like one game, like one of the like games that the Saints could take off and they just put in Taysom Hill for like three quarters and let him play. It'd be kind of interesting <laughs> to see. <laughs> it would be it would be cool to see all him run all those RPOs, triple reads. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I imagine they'll do. Like different kind of pitches to hit him and just whether he keeps the ball or doesn't keep the ball reading the 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 defensive ends and stuff like that it would be really fun but i pulled up this stat from adam schefter the saints are now the first team in nfl history to have six straight playoff eliminations by one score and the second team since the packers of 2013 through 15 to be eliminated in three straight postseason games on the final play of the game (laughs) that's just so incredibly heartbreaking as a saints fan I can't imagine because <laughs> this, the Seahawks are so good at, at end of the game, final drive kind of things, winning by the skin of our teeth. But uh, to have the inverse happen, I mean, obviously we had the Patriots last one, but yeah, I can't imagine. In general, it's, it's pretty crazy to see. I mean, the Seahawks have gotten a lot of lucky breaks this year. They, yeah. it, It's like kind of a good thing and bad thing about them. And that's how I was kind of alarmed heading into the postseason like a lot of their wins were, I think there were like one score wins and they had like a 10 and one record and one score games, but mm-hmm. every single game was close or we had to come back from. And that's what kind of gives me doubts about the Seahawks postseason run, but they did mm-hmm. start off this year with a good win against the Eagles. I mean, 
it's kind of with the asterisks by with Wentz going out in the second quarter, but yeah, it's a pretty good win overall. Um, what was your like impressions going from this game coming off a tough thought, like Niners loss? I just thought if my general uh, impression of the Seahawks this season is that if we're ahead in the game, like we look like a pretty good team. Like if we get our running game going, and that's what shot and have. If we have a running game going, it's pretty good. But when we're forced to throw the ball, like in the third when it's not the fourth quarter it's just so bad and it's so dysfunctional and nobody on our o-line can block pass block um it's just so like even today you just see fletcher cox tossing o-linemen with one arm out of the way and sacking lynch <laughs> or putting pressure on russell wilson to flee the pocket once again within like a half a second of the play being alive. And yeah, he utterly dominated Joey Hunt, our center. Like every <laughs> yeah. single time I'd look up, it was just Hunt getting blown off the ball, getting thrown like five yards back. It was, Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hunt is not, I don't know, I think he's a great center. I, I don't I think he's, he was the backup coming in. So, yeah. And it's just, that's going to be a problem every single game. He's just going to, be exposed on the line and yeah that's always been a problem with the Seahawks for the past like three or so years is their O-line it just never seems to fully round into shape and just always has holes in it mm-hmm. yeah. going into we limped into the the playoffs I think the Eagles also limped into the playoffs with fourth and third string receivers and Wentz essentially carrying this team to the playoffs in a sh- an incredibly bad division the Cowboys just not winning any games against any considerable <laughs> considerably good teams and the hampered Eagles somehow made it in um yeah I think it was a godsend that Wentz got concussed and was out of the game and it's so it makes me so feel so sad for Wentz that he had his MVP season when they won the Super Bowl and then at a week 11 or something like that he was the leading MVP candidate week 11 he gets hurt and then Nick Fole uh Nick Foles just big dick Nick. blows everyone away <laughs> big dick Nick just blows everybody away to win the Super Bowl against the Patriots and then the next season they I believe he also got hurt again. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think he did get hurt like sometime in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't remember. And then uh, this season, his first full season, everybody around him gets hurt. So he has essentially <laughs> no one to throw to. Uh, his best receiver on the team, Zach Ertz, is like peeing blood before like a week a week ago, and he quote unquote gets cleared to play. And like willing this team to the playoffs in a crappy division and just getting concussed in like nine minutes into the game and he can't play. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so sad. It just makes me feel so bad for the guy. And he's like, seems like such a genuine dude coming from like a small school and then like making it big in the NFL. Like it's sad. Yeah, they they started off the year high. They had D-Jax with like, like 200 yards or something and like two TDs in the first game. And then he <laughs> yeah. just gets hurt. He like mysteriously gets hurt and never shows up in another game <laughs> <laughs> yeah football father time just like struck him down with a lightning bolt and then yeah yeah he, that first game was like oh shoot now they have a deep threat djax is back baby and then like he never plays another <laughs> game they just had a walking corpse at alshon jeffrey who just like yeah. always had some type of nagging injury like he always yeah. looks hurt when you watch him play and then of course like doesn't play in this game. Yeah. Um, didn't notice many plays made by the wide receiver. 
think it was mostly when I was watching them, tuning in, like it was mostly Sanders and Boston Scott making all the plays and some plays mm-hmm. by the tight end, Goddard and Ertz. Jumping into the Seahawks, it was pretty rough road into this game. We dropped two games, one to the Cardinals, which is just unbelievable. Yeah, then, my first NFL game, by the way. And <laughs> every player, notable running back on our team. That yeah. was fun to watch. Yeah, my, my game this year that I went to was the Saints game. And of course, we lost that one. So <laughs> <laughs> Let's just not go to the NFL games. Let's just... <laughs> yeah. Let's go but, to 49ers uh, games anyway. Yeah, so the Niners game at home, very close, very exciting game. Probably the most exciting Week 17 game of that week. It came down yeah. to the last play. Pretty um, similar to how the Niners lost the week before against the Falcons with a diving play. Guy catches the ball. He's right at the goal line, gets hit, but the ball was just like mere inches away. Yeah. And the Niners get by with their win. It was pretty well earned by them. They're a pretty good team for the whole game. And Wilson just had some magic going down the stretch and almost brought the Seahawks back. So we were kind of coming off a, a down stretch of games. I mean, we lost our we lost Penny and then we lost Carson and Procise. It's pretty that's pretty ridiculous for the most part. And then we signed Beast Mode. Marshawn Lynch and yep. he's a little bit overhyped I mean if you look at his stats it's it's like I think he's averaging like one yard a carry <laughs> yeah because you have no interesting play calls when he comes in he's just gonna run it up the middle we're gonna pitch it to him but I I thought that was interesting the last game when he had the carry at the goal line and scores a touchdown pretty much the loudest roar out of Quest Field that I've heard like all year <laughs> Just because Lynch got a touchdown, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, everyone throwing Skittles on the field. Got to yeah. take time out to clean up all the Skittles. Yeah, he's just a it fun was fun to root for. Yeah, he's he's one of those players like Shaquille O'Neal or like um, actually Shaq is the only one I could think of that. It doesn't Shaq matter what what. Yeah, it doesn't matter what team he's on. If you don't even watch football very much, everyone knows and enjoys like Marshawn Lynch just because of his personality and. He's just a fun player to watch. Yeah, but Shaq was way more outgoing, like, towards the media anyways. Like, Lynch does not <laughs> talk to the media. Yeah, he kind of just does his own thing for yeah uh, media outlets. But Yeah, Shaq, maybe like Kawhi. Like Kawhi. Like Kawhi, oh. says like, Kawhi says, like, three things, and it's meme to death. And you see it all <laughs> over Twitter and social media. Every time he, Kawhi opens his mouth, it's just always a meme about it. Yeah, he, just like Marshawn, Kawhi's pretty unique when – we. He pretty much was a ghost for the four four or five years that he was in San Antonio. And then once mm-hmm. he leaves, like he starts like coming out and saying these different things. He still doesn't talk too much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kawhi is a different like topic for another day. Yeah, so coming into that Niners game, Travis Homer gets a full week of practice as a starter, getting those starter reps, kind of bring in Lynch as that mentor. And he did play pretty well. I think he kinda he's kinda vanilla. Like he's not too exciting, but he does catch the ball coming out of the backfield. Um, yeah. And like he's kind of he's just okay. I mean, that's what you get from I think he's like a fifth rounder. Um, but he did have a pretty nice performance, and I like that we have a good option that can catch the ball out of the backfield. That's kind of an issue for Carson, um, who will probably be out. I think he'll come back next season, actually. But yeah, for sure. So yeah, coming against the Eagles. I think the game plan was to try to run the ball on them, but Eagles, I think, were a top five run defense. So the script had to be like flipped, and like we actually had to open up the passing game, which is not really a strength of Schottenheimer. 
I think most of the game was just kind of Wilson off script making plays. I think he led the team in rushing yards because he had a couple breakaway runs. And the Eagles are just playing man the whole game and kind of allowed some rushing lanes for Wilson. But Wilson played pretty well again. He's always going to bring into the playoffs. And then the player of the game for the Seahawks and was definitely Metcalf. Like, I don't think you could, you could probably say Wilson too, but Metcalf was just spectacular today. Yeah, go route, go route, go route, go route. Hey, he was running some out routes out there. <laughs> I Yeah, he he ran one that one slant for the pretty clutch for first down. But, man, um, when it comes to our run game, if that thing's not rocking, like, and we're putting everything on Russell Wilson, and he's just running for his life out there, every time we convert on a first down, it seems like he's out of the pocket, and just one of our random three receivers gets open, whether it's Lockett or, or, or Moore. Um, whenever it's to Metcalf, it's just when we, like, essentially he just blows by the dude and catches a crazy, uh, almost overthrow by Russell Wilson. Um, it's just when our run game isn't going, I just, I don't know what, what our offense is like this, this Philly defense is not very good except at the line. So when Russell Wilson doesn't have any time to throw the ball, it's just, it's just a mess. And when we're going to, um, Green Bay next week. It's just going to be really, really rough for him, I think, because it's probably going to be snowing. And Travis Homer did do okay against the 49ers, but today against that crazy good uh, Philly D-line, it was just abysmal. And I don't really know if it's Travis Homer or just the fact that it's just really bad play calling by uh, by uh, Schottenheimer, because I think like in no way should we be keep on running the ball up the middle against this D line when they are essentially stacking the box or like blitzing every other play uh, or bringing uh, what's his name uh, Jenkins into basically uh, hunt down uh, Wilson on every play or whatever running back we hand it off to. We got to be a little bit more creative to get Travis Homer in space and not just running him up the middle to certainly just a, a gain of zero or negative one yards like today he had a 10 carries for 12 yards i think like yeah 11 carries for 12 yards that his longest rush of the day was 12 yards so basically every those 10 other carries he got zero yards (laughs) marshawn lynch kind of had a similar story he had that great goal line run uh but besides that he had seven yards six rushes for seven yards so both our running backs averaged one yard a carry which Mm -hmm. is not a great story heading into next week's game i think green bay is a little softer on the run defense though because that's the eagles pretty much i don't know why they kind of just sold out against the run and they're like make what russell wilson beat us which probably wasn't the best strategy in hindsight when i think if they allowed us to run the ball we probably um kind of play like more of a prevent style bend don't break we probably would have just shot ourselves in the foot because i think when you play man against wilson he just has a lot of options he didn't get a lot of time but especially if the rush just isn't right he can always just take off down the field unless you have a spy on him but when you play man against them, like Lockett and Metcalf are probably going to get open. Yeah, we put them in a rock and a hard place. It, it was pretty obvious that the Eagles were trying to be really aggressive on defense, but a lot of the time they either flew by Russell or uh, they caught us on a on a run play and hit us for a negative two or three yards. Um, they 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 suffer from the same thing we do on defense, and it's a really bad secondary. So they just did try to be as aggressive as possible and. 
late in the game, they finally found out that Russell Wilson knows how to run the ball for a few first downs. So they dropped Jenkins in to like spy on Wilson. But then that opened up uh, the middle of the field for like Lockett and David Moore. Uh, right. David Moore. Right. Yeah. David Moore had a couple plays here and there. He had two receptions. So <laughs> just yeah. that one crazy play before the half, I guess, where he kind of took a slant, went backwards four yards. And then because of that one missed tackle and everybody's in man, so much space yeah. to pick up, like, I think like 30, 40 yards and then set us up for a goal line uh, uh, opportunity where Lynch just Lynch probably had, I think, the second most important play of the game with that run for the touchdown, which is it was kind of a flashback to his days when he was previously a Seahawk, where he's just breaking yeah. tackles and not going down after first contact, which was pretty cool to see. It was yeah. a good run. And yeah, jumping more into Seahawks here. I think what helped us the most was the emergence of a pass rush again. I They kind of played these stats during the game. Like we had 28 sacks during the season, tied for second worst. And we had seven sacks today, which I thought was pretty surprising. It's kind of probably asterisk by that too with Josh McCown in because we're probably not yeah. getting to Wentz. And Wentz probably making better decisions than McCown. But was a good performance. Uh, Clowney had a couple uh, important plays. I wanted to say that taking down Wentz and make, giving him a concussion was a good play by him. But he was—he's kind of been—he's been important, but he hasn't really showed any spark that we've been kind of expecting from. Other than that Niners game where he kind of took over and was harassing Garoppolo all all game. But I've been kind of disappointed in, in Clowney. Like just the Seahawks defense line on the whole just was very disappointing. Yeah, we had no pass rush whatsoever. When it came to the run, we were all right. And that's basically what Clowney is like really good at is stopping the run. But he's not very good at pass rush, which is kind of weird. I don't know exactly how that happens. But um, yeah, when it comes to getting the 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 court getting to the quarterback it's just it's just crazy and we really thought uh Ziggy Ansah was going to pick up some slack he was hurt a lot this year but he also was not very whenever he played it wasn't very inspired or he didn't really do a lot I know he had what he was like coming off a back-to-back seasons of seven and eight sacks and he did not get anywhere close to that um yeah it's just basically the Bobby Wagner show chasing down running backs after 10 year yard gains and um yeah it's our linebacking core is next level with kj and bobby but it's just it's hard to to get to the quarterback which i mean during this next game will be a big talking point and i think Clowney is working through a an injury so that also goes against him i think everyone at this point is dealing with some kind of injury but yeah yeah we'll touch on the secondary it hasn't been pretty just like what i noticed it happens almost every game we always give up that that big play, like whether it be a pass interference or just someone getting beat deep. So any other lasting impressions from Seahawks-Eagles game? Uh, the lasting impression is that we're really hurt and our run game is almost non-existent. I think Sh- it, if Schottenheimer is everything it's cracked up to be, I know he led us to back-to-back double-digit win seasons, but he's got to be more like creative on our run game. Like getting Lynch 
Like he, he he Lynch lined up out wide a few times, which I thought was pretty interesting. And uh, he mixed it up with not making it completely obvious that we were running. But yeah. if he could be just a little bit more creative when it comes to uh, finding Lynch, whether it be Lynch or Travis Homer in space, I think it'd be really good. I don't I didn't see anything that convinced me that Travis is a bad catcher. But I think we should at least try to find out. Um, uh, <laughs> he, caught the, he caught the ball pretty well against that Niners game. He had a couple, yeah. I think he five or six receptions or something like that against the Niners yeah. and kind of provided that space back. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it really opens it, it opens the field up when we get our run game going for DK and Lockett because you have to bring someone else in. And this O-line really cannot uh, sustain like a pass block whatsoever. So if we can at least fool the uh, the the rush uh, and like open up something for our receivers, whether it be small or big, I think it's going to be play really big against um, Green Bay next week. Um, I know they're kind of weak on the the run, but you don't have to be very strong against our run with Travis Homer and Lynch in there. Um, I'd like to see Lynch do something nice, but you can obviously kind of tell that. He's not nearly as quick as he used to be. I mean, that's not a crazy scorching hot lava take, but um, yeah, yeah, he just doesn't just... have the same burst, which is pretty easy to tell. But he kind of he still fights hard and gets mm-hmm. those extra yards. And he's a big back, big goal line back, so it's it's good to have because Homer's a little on the light side. Just from looking at him, I don't know what his weight is, but uh, he's definitely not a power back like Lynch is. Nope. Uh, just touching on Schottenheimer, like, do you think he's a good offensive coordinator? I just, I'm just not completely sold on him. It just seems every single game he comes into the week and he's like, well, we're going to try to rush the ball. And if that doesn't work, uh, hand the keys to Wilson and hope something good happens, which is, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm just not completely sold on his ability, like, to make these plays he because he knows that the line just isn't providing time for Wilson so there's a scheme out there where Wilson can get out the ball within like two to three seconds and probably be good kind of like what the Pats usually do with the quick passing game with Brady but Mm -hmm. like we do have we do yes go ahead sorry I interrupted I just don't understand how you can have Metcalf, who has like four three three speed Lockett I'm sure he's like four four or four three guy and you can't skeeve those guys open. It's just doesn't make any sense. And it just always seems like what you said earlier that they're running go routes or and then run a route and then look back, see what Wilson's doing, and then get open towards Wilson. Like just doesn't make yeah. a whole lot of sense. The amount of times Russell Wilson has to by himself just bail out our team on third down is just crazy. And like even on third down, they know we're throwing, so they add one, maybe two more DBs on the field for coverage. And and passing passing it down to like Hollister when nothing's open just for like five yards is kind of depressing and I think is a tell for things to come. Um, I think he's very not very creative, but I like I don't know whether it's the personnel that's hurting him more or his play calling, but I can't help but not compare him to to Kyle Shanahan. I know Kyle Shanahan probably has the better roster, so he can do more things. They have. Kittle and a great O-line and some running backs that can really break it open and have breakaway speed. 
But when at the end of the day, like on second downs, he'll hit us with a random run it up the middle that's completely uninspired and didn't fool anybody. And it's essentially just to make sure that they keep an extra linebacker on the field so we can throw to this go route on third down or Russell Wilson bails us out on third down. I honestly don't know how we string it together sometimes with the penalties and stuff, like the dumb penalties, like a false starts after a big gain or like in the Niners game where uh, delay a game on the one that is completely <laughs> screwed up everything. Like it, it's, it's, it's not only the personnel is bad, it's just like the, the discipline. And it's, it's fun to watch Russell Wilson carry this team, but as a strategy to win more games, especially against this like really solid uh, Green Bay team that maybe doesn't have the greatest um, like personnel on defense, but have one consistent there as, as, as consistent as consistent goes. And our team is probably the most inconsistent team in the playoffs right now. Maybe I don't even know if the Titans are, but uh, Titans are at least like not hurt. Um, yeah. Well, Titans had a pretty good win against the number one defense in the NFL. So yeah. I think they kind of proved who they are. They're going to run the ball and they have the line to do that and the running back to do that. So We'll see how that shakes out against the Ravens. My kind of lasting impression from the Seahawks versus the Eagles was the emergence of another weapon for Wilson. I mean, Metcalf has had some games here and there, but this was like a statement game, and he kind of just put himself as that uh, 1A, 1B with Lockett, because I know Lockett's a really great receiver on his own right, but Metcalf definitely kind of put his foot in the door, and Wilson definitely trusts him. Like, that's what I saw out there. I mean... I don't know how many yeah. targets he had, but he had seven receptions. And he obviously had the biggest plays of the game with that touchdown that he got up, caught the ball, realized he didn't get touched, got up, got in the touchdown. And then to close out the game, he had what was a 30, 40-yard catch uh, where he had to jump up in the air for it. It was yeah, accuracy <laughs> To ice the game. Yeah, I just think it's a really unique one-two punch where uh, – I think in years past with Doug Baldwin and Lockett, it just seems like kind of some scat backs almost. They're not really big, deep threats, even though we could probably open up for some deep, deep stuff when we had curse and stuff. Um, I don't, I I just think he's just like, he's such a, uh, a fresh take on our, our, on our offense where he's just a burner downfield and he can catch 50, 50 balls pretty well. I know he hasn't had very many 50, 50 balls this year, but I, he has the physical abilities to do so. And the ceiling is only the, the trajectory for his career is only pointing up and to have him in a really, really clutch game. I mean, playoff game come in real clutch is just really nice to see. Yeah. Yeah. I think he set the record for rookie to bet yards in a game. I think that's that they showed at the end of the game. Um, so it's a sign of good things to come for the Seahawks in for 2020 decade with a new weapon to feature alongside Lockett for Wilson to throw to for the next, well, I don't know, five to eight years that Wilson's going to play. But it's probably the most exciting draft pick in the next, in the last seven years for the Seahawks. I think. Yeah, outside I of- can't. <laughs> I can't even remember the last real exciting draft pick we had. Um, I mean, Clowney was pretty exciting, I guess, for a trade um, draft pick wise. I can't, I can't think of uh, <laughs> one since maybe Earl. I mean, 
<laughs> he was our only real high pick that was really touted up as this crazy dude, like crazy good guy. Um, a lot of our like good players, either whether it be undrafted completely or really late in the draft, there's a lot of hype behind them. Um, the most hype was probably either Bobby Wagner or Earl Tommen. Those, those were almost almost a decade ago. Yeah, it's it's crazy. We just I know we've talked in the past of just how many times the Seahawks are in the first round and then they're exciting prospects sitting there whether it be offense or defense yeah and always they always trade out of the first round they traded out of the first round this year i think <laughs> luckily yep. Metcalf fell to us in the second round and it's looking like a steal the draft so far i mean i can't think of many other draft picks that have been performing as well as he has especially at the receiver position other than aj brown who's had a great year on his own part so terry mclaurin terry mclaurin i think he went behind him too so I'm not yeah. sure who the the first round wide receiver was this year, but I think definitely. it was AJ Brown. Wait, did AJ Brown go in the first round? Uh, I, I could look I it up remember. real quick. I know Nikhil Harry did, and that did not pan out as the Patriots probably wanted it to. Um, yeah, well, he was hurt for most of the season, so I can't. Yeah. Uh, well, you pull that up or whatever you're doing, you can do a quick playoff preview. Uh, Vikings, Niners. Titans, Ravens, Seahawks, Packers, Texans, Chiefs. So we kind of touched on Seahawks versus Packers. So I guess let's start off with the other NFC game, Vikings versus Niners. Vikings come off the upset win. Niners been looking pretty solid all year. So that should be a really interesting game. I mean, the Vikings defense definitely stepped it up in the past few weeks. And they also have Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison back. And Kirk Cousins proved that he can play in a big game. And I think it's going to be a really fun game. I actually think the Nine- Vikings have a pretty good chance. I'm going to yeah. take the Niners, but yeah. They're essentially the same team where um, they are a run-first team but can throw the ball when they want to, and they have two quarterbacks that people don't really know whether to put them into the to the good or mediocre category with defenses to boot. Like, um, uh, I think probably turnover-wise, they uh, the Niners probably have a better chance of turning the ball over. And I think the Niners have a better scheme than the Vikings. Like, they're obviously going to be the favorites in this, in this game, playing at home and everything like that. But, um, yeah, they're essentially the same team. Vikings look like a completely different team with Dalvin Cook on the field. I think that's pretty obvious. If you've watched any of the Vikings this year, it's just basically him. Um, all the NFC teams essentially are just ran through their 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 number one running back, which goes contrary to a lot of big analytics guys that want to say that uh, passing the ball is just more efficient and stuff like that. Um, proving that wrong. It's good schemes can really change your team and open up the the passing game a whole lot. I think a lot of teams are going to try to copy that. But drafting, not necessarily needing a first-round running back because they usually don't pan out, and they're very hard to keep healthy. Yeah, the Niners kind of—I think it's just a testament to Kyle Shanahan. With he, they have a pretty good O-line there, and he kind of proved that it doesn't matter what running back he's going to use for the game; they're going to collectively get probably 150 rush yards and probably like two to three TDs. Like it was pretty hard to predict. If you're playing fantasy this year, which running back was going to get the carries? It was Mostert down the stretch, but part of the season it was uh, Matt Breida and Tim Coleman. But yeah, it just seemed like they have a carousel of backs to go through, and it doesn't matter who they throw out there because they have a great O line. 
and a really good offensive-minded coach in Kyle Shanahan. So I'm going to give the edge to the Niners here. They just, I mean, it's not super hot take, but <laughs> Niners are going to beat the Vikings. They, I think it would be, be a really close game. As a potential being a really close game, uh, I think the Niners are just essentially do everything better. I think mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, the Niners secondary is really good. I don't think Kirk Cousins is going to get these open, like hitting Thielen, open, really open Thielen in, in space. Like, I don't think that's going to happen with this secondary. Um, he'll get his shots in. I think Nick Bosa coming off a week's rest is going to just destroy <laughs> Kirk Cousins at times and blow up plays. Um, it's really going to come down to keeping Vikings have to keep this game close, make Garoppolo as uncomfortable as possible and somehow double team Kittle at oh, any man. given point. Like I love you gotta love Kittle tough. just the way he plays the game. He's so exciting. Kittle just he just loves the game of football. You can tell he's every single time he gets the ball, it's similar to Marshawn Lynch. He's not going down without a fight. I mean, going mm-hmm. back to that Niners versus Saints game, Kittle had pretty much the play of the game where he caught the ball and was getting face masked. And it's just <laughs> stiff arming this dude and throwing him aside. Still didn't go down by the face mask. I think it took like three other Saints to take him down. He's just a, a man walking around out there. <laughs> yeah. He really does make grown professional athletes look like babies. Stiffing our stiff arming them, just blowing by them at his size. He's not only like big, he's incredibly fast. He's a matchup nightmare for any linebacker. I don't see how you can guard him if you're not double teaming him. At least one guy over the top that can tackle that dude. Uh, getting that guy the ball in space is just a nightmare. Um, Basically, new Gronk, right? <laughs> the Gronk of the 2020 to 2030 zone is going to be George Kittle. <laughs> I just I don't know what comp he is because I don't think Gronk was very fast. I think Kittle is incredibly fast. Um, he is deceptively strong, like you said. I don't know. He's really good at those fifty fifty balls. So yeah, he his closest comparison is Gronk with speed. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Probably the most exciting tight end since Gronk. I mean, Kelsey was up there too, but Kelsey was definitely up there. Yeah, I can't remember when uh the last time a tight end just makes highlight plays after game after game. He just always makes a big play. And I'm sure he's going to show up against the Vikings. So let's jump yeah. into that Titans versus Ravens. My fantasy darling, Lamar Jackson. <laughs> yes. Coming up for his second playoff game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what the weather is supposed to be like yet, but I'm just really excited to see this now, like, second year. I mean, you always see he's probably going to win MVP, Lamar Jackson, like, out without Easily. a shadow of a doubt like Easily. it's pretty much a lock from this point on uh i think he's what he had some crazy stat where something with his rushing yards and passing yards it just like hasn't been done before which isn't surprising yeah. uh is it like the first quarterback to throw for three thousand and run for a thousand i believe I, th- I think it's that stat yeah yeah um, first guy to do that um it's just crazy how this team perfectly fits his play style that like they're just good at every position essentially they're just like the Niners I don't think they have a like a blaring weak spot in any part of their game and then you have on top of that you have the MVP of the league like I I, he's incredible to watch he's the most fun player to watch um probably he's pretty much like Mahomes was last year yeah back-to-back excitement excitement level going in I mean Mahomes is pretty spectacular in, in himself but he kind of took that mantle as when Lamar Jackson's on, it's pretty much must-see TV. Mm-hmm. Um, For completely different reasons, too. 
Like, I think Lamar Jackson, obviously, because of his rushing ability. He's not a, a slouch when it comes to throwing the ball. He doesn't – he only throws the ball when, it, when like, things open up for him, and then he bails himself out with a lot of running. Um, I think Mahomes, like, always throws the ball, and it's, like, completely different reasons why you watch the yeah. two. Pretty equally entertaining, I'll be totally honest with you, with the stuff that Mahomes does um, and the, the scheme they run, the things they yeah, do. Yeah, Mahomes kind of faded because he – I think he had an injury – just wasn't the same player i think he's healthy now but we can talk about the titans just in my gut i think the ravens are probably gonna blow them out (laughs) or win by at least two touchdowns yeah i don't i don't see if if the titans had any shot of winning it's just basically them keeping it close and running the ball out and draining the clock like they did they played it uh an anemic Patriots team and didn't really like slam the door on them with their defense. Um, I think that's a really weak offense with Brady essentially on his last leg and not being able to get anybody open. And those running backs are not very good. I think the O-line really for the Patriots deserve a lot of credit for all those um, Sony uh, Sony runs. Um, so I don't see very a very good chance for the Titans to win, even if Henry goes off for another 200-yard <laughs> game. I don't think they're gonna. It's gonna be very close. Well, that's that's pretty much the Titans' like recipe to win is get Derrick Henry 200 yards, and they might have a chance. Yeah, they but, might have a shot. <laughs> but uh, jumping into the last game for. Next week's playoffs, Texans Chiefs. I think it's shaping out to be a, a shootout, which probably everybody's going to call it a shootout, but never know. Maybe one team doesn't show up, but it's a really interesting game because you got the two quarterbacks from the same draft class, Mahomes and Watson, both very talented in their own right. Um, any thoughts on yeah. this game? Uh, I think like um, Watson was third in MVP voting. I think he's really good. I think he essentially carried this team. I think the Houston defense is just awful. Uh, I, I, the Chiefs defense is not at, is not that bad. I think it's going to be a shootout regardless. Um, Watson's going to have to really just carry this team once again. Um, I don't think it's going to be. I, I got to give the the edge to the Chiefs. I don't see a game plan where the Texans really blow them out unless their defense somehow surprises us. JJ Watts working off an injury. Um, I, I don't. I don't. I don't see any possible way the the tech the chiefs lose with a week's rest yeah. what's the vegas line on this game i mean the over under has got to be over like 60 points or something like that <laughs> yeah i'll look it up right now just on like personnel or defense versus offense the chiefs kind of have the edge in both areas uh, chiefs defense hasn't i mean they haven't been spectacular this year but they've definitely been better than they were last year they weren't um just giving up points like they were last year where pretty much in fantasy, if you had a quarterback or receiver going up against the Chiefs, you're, oh yeah, you were setting that up. It wasn't the same case this year. I think the Chiefs actually fixed some holes on their defensive end. They added Frank Clark from the Seahawks, who's been playing pretty well for them. And then I think the big difference maker was the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew. He's kind of just changed that secondary. And yeah, I think they've been playing pretty well. And obviously they have uh, a surplus of weapons on the offensive end with Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. And I just, I, I don't see all the Texans match up to it. I think Watson's going to put up a fight. I hope it's a shootout. I hope it's close, but I, I don't know. I think I, I would take the Chiefs by like 10 points here. 
Yeah, so the over-under is 49 points. So a 50-point over-under. Um, some people are saying 49 and a half, essentially 50. Um, seems kind of low. Um, I, I take the over there if that's the case. I I, <laughs> I think there might be weather stuff with in Kansas City, oh, okay. maybe. I'm not sure, but that may be the reason why it's a little lower than I thought it was going to be, because I also thought it was going to be like that, too. It seems like a lot of these games, other than San Fran, obviously, for obvious reasons, are going to be kind of cold games. Um, Green Bay is probably going to be snowing. Kansas City is probably going to be snowing. And in Baltimore, it's probably going to be really cold. So a lot of cold games, I'm guessing. Uh, the over-under doesn't look like we thought it would be. Um, yeah, I don't see a recipe for them winning. I think the defense is going to hold the the Houston too because they know they're throwing the ball I don't think their run game very good with Gore and um Gore and, uh, it's uh Carlos Hyde there and uh Carlos Johnson. Hyde and yeah that's right that's right I think Gore is off there you know getting in the chamber again getting ready for <laughs> another <season>. ageless one <laughs> but <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I think we're both taking the Chiefs. Uh, we close out this topic of the week playoff primer. Uh, let's go on to let them eat. So the performance slash player of the week. I was going to give this to Derrick Henry coming into the week, just off what I saw yesterday. But uh, mm-hmm. since I'm a little uh, favoritism to the Northwest sides, DK Metcalf, I think, being a rookie, and he made pretty much the two most important plays of that game the touchdown catch and the closer. So I give it to him with like seven receptions, uh, receptions, 160 yards and one TD. So, yeah, I think it's really tough because I think the rookie debut of DK Metcalf and the impact he had on the game. um, I think basically Derek Henry is that Titans team Um, (laughs) with 30, 34 rushes for 182 yards. Uh, uh, it's really tough. I think ending the Bill and Belichick era is pretty significant. Yeah, it's a good um, storyline. <laughs> it's a pretty good storyline. There was a lot of buzz around that game. I think I got to give it to Derrick Henry, even though DK Metcalf probably had more significant plays during his game and essentially won us the game. Star Wars spoilers ahead. Uh, do you want to talk about Star Wars or you can just close out the show? I, I don't really mind either way. We could talk about it. It's two-minute drill, right? Yeah, so... I'll just kind of give you my take on this. I think it was it was a pretty much a mess on on according to the plot. I mean, everything else outside the plot was pretty spectacular. I mean, you're obviously going to get uh, a top top of the line like score, music, and mm-hmm. the acting wasn't bad either. And and you're always going to get great CGI too, just with the day and age we're in now. But the plot was pretty terrible. Um, it's not super hot. I think everybody would see that. It just kind of came out of thin air. I, both the other movies didn't really lead up to the plot. And I felt like J.J. Abrams was just kind of fan pandering with just calling back to Palpatine. And it was just a mess. Like Any of your uh, impressions? Yeah, essentially the same thing. I felt like I was watching like all the Star Wars films on fast forward. Like during the first 45 minutes of that, I really didn't know what was going on. Um, <laughs> It was not a hard plot to follow, but just just all this information being thrown at you. Like every scene was just a world-breaking revelation, whether it's Ray finding out she's a Palpatine or that she can force heal or that she can uh that uh Kylo Ren is now a good guy or whatever. It w- the the story didn't make very much sense. It just seemed like they were trying to fit as much stuff in it in the allotted time that the Disney execs allowed. Um, I'm not a big fan of it. I don't really, I try not to 
uh, get too serious about Star Wars, which made this watching this not as hard. It, it made it easier to watch this film if I just took Star Wars less seriously, which I have been in the last few years with Solo and Rogue One being kind of meh movie movies. Hey, so, yeah. I, I like Rogue One. I think that was really solid. Like movie on its own right uh, i think just... i think the action is very very good and like the universe that star wars in is fun i just try to not take it seriously i hate to make this comparison but i almost try to go in with the same fervor or expectations i do for like a transformers film just so i can only be impressed with the movie i can't be disappointed i just don't want to take it super seriously yeah i, I set my bar pretty low coming into it but just in the first few minutes it just felt they go into they're following kyle ran he's just doing all these things and it's information's <laughs> coming at you like like you said earlier just a mile a minute you're getting something new um it was just pretty it's just hard man like they i don't i don't mind it being new I don't mind like stuff being yeah. new. It just wasn't very interesting. Like the well, stuff that they were throwing at you were very. In, uh, Palpatine's alive. Cool. Ray could be a Palpatine. Okay, whatever. Well, like, that, wasn't that, that it was very be, flush out. Wasn't that supposed to be their big reveal? Was Palpatine still alive? Like I felt they they already showed that in the trailer, so you already knew that coming in. So yeah, I guess. Like why? I don't understand. Like the marketing. Like why would you spoil like Palpatine's back? in the marketing like he could have kept that a secret for the first like 30 40 minutes of the film and it would have actually made it a little bit more interesting i think a plot that they didn't really go into was the whole snoke thing all you see is his clones in a tube <laughs> and then palpatine was so i think he says i was snoke and then i made him yeah it was something like that like and i actually thought that was an interesting subplot they could have it's a longer movie it's probably a different movie entirely but they could have done Kylo Ren, like, investigating, uh, figuring out where Snoke originated from, or, like, figuring out that he's a clone, basically. Like, they, maybe he discovers a lab, and then he sees all the tubes, like, but just mm -hmm. having a shot, like, basically, they explained Snoke's thing in 10 seconds, where they just show a tube of Snoke's, and you're supposed to infer that, oh, yeah, he's a clone, and that's, that's that. That's no significance, but yeah, I just think, why would you spoil your big reveal of Palpatine's back in the first? Well, they spoiled it in the trailer, and then they reveal it two minutes into the movie. So just on that end, it's pretty messy. And then, I don't know, how'd you feel about that? The kiss at the end, which I thought was very unnecessary and wasn't hinted at in any of the movies that they had any type of romantic connection where Kylo Ren's basically torturing Rey and her friends yeah. the entire two movies but then oh yeah let's kiss so i it it's just doesn't make a whole lot of sense it was just bad story writing they didn't know how to end it i just didn't think it was a very messy movie it really didn't make any sense that they kissed i guess like i don't know to cuck uh what's his face finn at the end like finn just gets left with nothing like finn and poe's character probably had the most yeah char then, character didn't it feel but, like they just forgot about like Finn, when they're going into the desert and they're going through the sand, and he's like, "Ray, I gotta tell you something." And it's like they he doesn't get to tell her, and then they both they live, and you never, <laughs> he just never, they never, revisit, never revisit that. Never, no side conversation. It just never pay, no payoff there. Like yeah, uh, like maybe someone wrote that in and they just forgot. That's what it felt like. Uh, yeah, shout shout out Poe and Finn. They're the they have the most character in this entire series, and they just got basically laugh duty. They got to make mm -hmm. the jokes, and that's about it. 
they should have ended up at the end poe and finn going on adventures i would watch that movie <laughs> yeah i mean just on a uh, action and uh we watchable like basis like the end scene where everything the climactic scene was pretty spectacular i think that was a pretty it was kind of like a little bit end game-ish with uh poe getting the message from uh i forget his name was it uh what's the character's name that uh lando yeah lando coming over the mic and he's like hey he i don't know what he said it could <laughs> have just been laughs. Your, it could have been he on just your goes, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> but that that was the coolest part of the movie where poe comes around the ship and you see like a wow well, a thousand ships yeah a thousand ships which doesn't make it was another plot point where what they he's gone for 15 minutes and he grabs a thousand ships like uh, just another thing that didn't make any sense i just don't understand why lando is in this isn't lando's entire character just han's friend and that's about it <laughs> but like i don't even understand why he's like he, he just is brought back for fan service he's just some guy on like he doesn't really explain i don't know <laughs> i think it was just a nostalgia fact pandered yeah, to the fans of old with luke and leia and everything and uh, man it, it's uh, i'm glad that it that's over i think it kind of brings the skywalker thing to an end and i'm interested to see what's the next star wars saga we get next because it it probably can't relate to skywalkers anymore or probably have ray in it or poe probably something like that but it's interesting to see i like that they close out the saga and you don't have to refer back anymore all right all right catch you later man all right see you mate